Welcome, everyone, to the CavsCorner.com podcast. CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin Estates here in the west end of Richmond, where it is uh, Wednesday, May the 25th. I uh, took a little little break last week, a little, uh, little spring <laughs> spring break. Um, guess a, a chance for everybody to kind of cool their jets, so to speak. Uh, maybe uh, for some of us to move uh, successfully from one domicile to another, um, which I, I don't know if we'll get into much, but that'll be a potential topic. Uh, who knows? Uh, let's go around and introduce everybody. Uh, first, uh, up in Northern Virginia, Justin Ferber is back on the podcast. Welcome back, sir. Well, you just threw me off. I know I did, right? <laughs> Wait, who's that? You haven't even been introduced. Oh, my goodness. Um, add Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. Nice curveball. Yeah, there you go. And uh, are, they, are you still in Waynesboro? What, where? I'm in, technically, I'm in Fishersville now. Ooh. Okay, so out in Fishersville for the first time ever. I feel like that dude at the wedding who says, and now for the first time in public. Uh, David Spence is back uh, after his uh, brief hiatus uh, in moving. Welcome, welcome back, sir. Thanks. It was a wonderful vacation. <laughs> wonderful <laughs> vacation. Give the people your Twitter handle so I can give the people my Twitter handle. At who Dave's on who Dave's on the board. At who Dave's on Twitter. And Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for in-game updates, content items, and yes, even the occasional witty banter. Okay. Um, some happenings uh, since we last were together. Um, I, I don't know uh, what, where the line, the demarcation should be. There you go. Um, so, Dave, I, I'm going to kind of open the floor because generally you have lots to say. You have lots of things to talk about. For example, you are very salty that, that, uh, that Michael Porter's dad can talk about him publicly, uh, which, which I thought was interesting. Uh, you, you you were you were not happy about that, but anyway, let's let's open the show with uh, I, you know I'd like to turn this into like a segment where basically you get very ranty or you get like old manish about you know like get off my lawn kind of stuff. But what uh, since you since you have been able to be on the podcast, what kind of things have have been getting have been grinding your gears? What's uh, what's been going around uh, the old dome lately? Well, it's a little unfair. I've been moving, so. It's, uh... <laughs> Yeah, but you're pretty still, much but you're still waking up in the it. morning has been grinding my gears lately. <laughs> but you're still all over I, it. I don't know, you're still yeah. all over it. Yeah, yeah, I try to be. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. The Porter situation doesn't doesn't grind my gears too much. Um, you still don't like it. I, though. You don't like that. No, you, I, li- I like the kid a lot. No, no, I, but you I don't like don't. that. You don't like that if a if a if a coach has a kid, you think the the rules should still be the same. No, it's just you know well, they kind of should, <laughs> but I understand. I, mean, I understand both sides of it. It's just that whole text I sent you guys about it. It's just you know the NCAA is so ridiculous. You just figure it would be against the rules. Let um, me. Uh, I, I just realized I didn't do a very good job of kind of giving people what the. So basically, what what Dave was texting Justin and I about was he thought that there there should where there was or at least there should be the same. I guess extension of the rule about coaches can't talk about players publicly um, until they uh, are actually signed with that school. Um, and Dave thought, since clearly Michael's dad is, is an assistant coach now at, at Washington, um, and Washington being the very, very heavy favorite to land the number two player in the uh, class of 2017, Dave thought it was a little bit um, – um, I don't want to say how do, how do I describe this? You you just thought it was a little bit fishy that he's able to talk publicly about that 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 player, even though that player happens to be his son. Um, 
But anyway, good. I don't know if fish is the right word, but yeah, down that down that aisle. I mean, yeah. it, the, is, is that a gray area? Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's I don't remember his dad tweeting a whole lot prior to him arriving in Washington about him. So, but, you, but then again, were you paying card. attention to his dad's Twitter when he was the assistant women's coach? At and Missouri? maybe not. Maybe not. But yeah. Hey man, you you want to know grind my gears? That's grind my gears. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, that's it's cool. And I I think I can no, see part per- of it. I think I personally, I think coaches should be able to tweet at kids as long as it's in public. All you want to see because I want to see how ridiculous they are. Quite it, frankly, I mean, yeah. I'd much rather than be doing it. Yeah. In public, than with their DM, you know, yeah. what they're sending in DMs, yeah. Um, yeah, just you know, the whole, the whole thing about you know, I mean, technically, every time a a fan of a school respond, you know, responds yeah, to a, to recruits Twitter, it's a violation. That's so right. It's, the yeah, whole concept booster, is right. antiquated. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the interesting piece, right? Is that if you bumped into a player in person, you know, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to be just be a jerk to him, you know? Like you're supposed to say, "Oh, hey." And then you're just going to walk on like the bump, you know, the bump rule. You you, you bump into somebody, whatever. I, I I think one of the things I would like to see the NCAA. I don't know. I if you gave me a magic wand and and allowed me to kind of just like tap different things that just need to make more sense. Um, it doesn't make any sense to me that these schools are are blatantly breaking rules, and because they either take themselves out of postseason contention for a season, or they, you know, they get some kind of slap on the wrist, and then they just keep doing it. And I mean, listen, I think the whole thing is a sham in some ways, anyway, because I'm I'm always going to be one of those people that says, you know what, millions and millions of dollars, billions of dollars, go into the system and the and the and the players, while they, you know, uh, look and free education is nothing to sneeze at, but at the same time, like they're not able to in in some of the most formative, you know, in some of the most maybe potentially. Uh, um, you know, most, I guess the f- most fruitful time of their, their lives, they're not able to, to take advantage or to make money off of the talent that they have in a way that no, nobody else does. So I understand where people go, you know, Hey, you know, you want it to be an amateur system. That's, that's understandable. But at the same time, like there's so many people making money off these kids and for some of them, like they'll walk away and say, okay, well, yeah, I have a degree, and that's great. But, is, are, you know, is the NCAA paying them in a currency they can actually use? That's always been my, 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 my contention. But I also think that when it comes to a lot of these things, Dave used the word antiquated. I would agree. Like, you know, we're, you're, you're, I, we actually had our first kid who said that one of the reasons he got a Twitter account was so he could be recruited, which I thought was somewhat fascinating in the sense that, like, how interesting is it that the coaching staffs have – adapted to this new change but now they're so rigid it's like their main point of conversation why because it's unlimited um because you know because it's some it's a place where they can go and have all the conversations in the same place um you know in in terms of messaging but i agree with you i think they're you know that a lot of the ways that the ncaa kind of views this is a little is kind of antiquated forever i'm guessing that you um just because you and i had basically the same reaction to that do you don't what do you, what do you do you have any issue with uh with a player's father who is also an assistant coach being able to talk about that player publicly? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can no, I think- you know it's funny after he after Dave brought it up it, my immediate reaction was like that and then the more I thought about it I was like, you know, I can see both sides. I, I can understand why if you're the if you're the parent of the player uh and you want to because I think all coaches kind of do it differently. Sometimes you get them where they they talk to the you know they're the ones helping with the recruitment, and then sometimes you know the another parent or or somebody else steps in and kind of plays that role, and then they they go be coach. But 
I can kind of see both sides. How do you, so where do you come down on this whole thing? Well, the way I look at it is what he actually tweeted out is nothing. Like there was no substance there. It just was the logo, the Washington logo, right? Um, I mean, if he was like, if you, you know, if he's saying like, if my son wants a high class education and a great, you know, whatever, he should go to Washington. That's like a different story. Yeah. Well, and 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 I think too, if if we, and if I don't we, think he would do that. I think most people, like most reasonable people, will kind of like recuse themselves. Uh, I mean, UVA's gotten some recruits that have. You know, coach like Billy Barron's dad was a college coach, and he let him go somewhere else. Like you know, stuff like that. So right. The piece that I find interesting is it's not so much what happens with Michael. It's what if you were if you were that kid's dad, right? And you're recruiting. Your job is now to to be an assistant coach, right? And let's be honest, assistant coaches, for all intents and purposes, your job is to recruit players. Um, you know, if you could get, I think if you could get Virginia's assistants or any other assistants. Uh, to to kind of get you know get through the coach speak and tell you what they really do. Their job is to bring talent to the to the team. Um, maybe they run some you know aspects of practice. Maybe they get to you know to do this or that. But the the big picture, it's about getting players to to that campus. So my question is going to be when 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 Porter Senior is on the road, okay, and he's recruiting. Even even if even if um, if if Michael is not committed yet. And everybody assumes it's going to be Washington. And you're thinking about playing with a kid like that. How does he not walk into a living room or, or get on the phone and talk to a player and not say, hey, listen, you know what, we're, we're building something big here. You know, and how does he not talk about how, you know, how, how does he do his job? Because if otherwise, right, this kid is a huge recruit for them. And, you know, think about it. If Virginia had a kid, Let's take out the family aspect, but let's just say that there are just massive connections, and you just know that the number two player in the country is probably coming to your school. And let's say you got three spots. I don't know what Washington's scholarship situation is. But let's say you got three. How do you not talk about that kid to other kids and other kids' families? Hey, you know what? We're we're bringing in an incredible recruiting class. This is going to be, you know, a, a, a kind of a, an historic kind of thing. How do you not talk about that? And that's the piece to me that's fascinating. It's not so much the way he conducts himself as as Michael's dad's and, and an assistant coach who's recruiting him. It's how he interacts with other kids. It's other parents, you know? Because if you've got the number two player in the country and he's your kid and he hasn't committed to your school yet, if you talk to that another parent, like, aren't as a parent, aren't you like, yo, what's going on with that? Like, isn't that weird? Like, what does that say about you if your kid hasn't already told you yes? I just think that's fascinating. And I know yeah, a lot of people on the, the board. the whole layer of the godfather. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and the fact that his younger brother's already committed there, and he's still not committed. So what does that say, right? It's just, to, to me, it's just fascinating. I mean, like, I, I, I won't know a lot of these things because who knows, but I just think it's just interesting. Uh, it's just one of those weird situations that you don't see come around. Um, I just never – when he got the job, I, I know a lot of people on the board were like – you know, crying uh, foul, but I, and look, the guy is, you know, he's good friends with, with, with uh, Romar. I mean, you know, it's not like, you know, he was a, a guy who ran a trash company, you know, and now is an assistant yeah. basketball coach. I mean, he was all, it's not like he wasn't already in the game. It wasn't like he wasn't getting other offers, but anyway, I guess you guys did not expect to open the, the show with a conversation. On, no, I mean, on I think it's board. interesting. I mean, I think <laughs> this, just with the current coaching staff, we have, you know, the previous staff, although you know, Mike was on Twitter to some extent, no one else was. Um, I mean, just, you know, it does tie into what we're seeing with our football staff now. That's true. It's, you That's know, true. And, you know, it's another phenomenon we've kind of 
texted back and forth about it's you see these schools were like making offers to kids that you know they probably don't have a chance with and um i want to throw a curveball in the discussion this whole concept of god what was the one kid we we're talking about he had like you know uva and georgia like some good schools and then he had like georgia southern and it was peacock yeah, 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 it was like Louisville, uh, Virginia, Florida State. That's right, Georgia and Georgia Southern. Yeah. But yeah, it comes that whole concept. You know, those kids, some of these five star kids. There's a few of them that will do the whole humbled and blessed to receive an offer thing, no matter who the school is. Right. So you know, you get some of these schools that you know don't have a chance. Right. <laughs> They're offered him like the 36th offer from Gardner Webb. You know, any any <laughs> right. So, so are these schools continuing to offer him just because they get the publicity of a five-star recruit tweeting about it? Yeah, that's I mean, good, Virginia you know, offers them on the map. all the time. That the they won't have, yeah. offers people all the time that they're yep. not going to get. No, that's true. And true. Very I think, true. I think there are two different types of kids when it comes to recruits, in my experience, right? There are the, there are the offer counters, okay? And those are the kids that um, – these kids usually pick up offers in – in droves, and the reason they do that is because, and this was R- Ricky DeBerry was somewhat like this. He was very clear with any staff that reached out to him that he was wide open, and so every coach that talked to him or his family understood, like, hey, this kid's wide open. So one after the other, they all threw their hat in the ring, and he was very excited to talk to him. He was really excited, and he would want to come visit. And then when he start, when coaches started to see him taking visits. He started picking up more offers. Offers beget offers. That's just the the kind of you know the copycat nature of college athletics. But at the same time, I think you have some kids who they they aren't necessarily open to everybody, but they just want to be able to say that I got forty five offers or I got thirty seven offers. They want to be able to have that number, so they count their offers. Um, I'm reminded that Joe Mixon, when let me let me get my story straight here. The, the, the way the story goes is that after seeing that UVA had picked up Quinn and Andrew, that Mixon had reached out to UVA. I believe that's what happened. And so London yeah, offered him on the spot. at point he was going to visit or something. Yeah, and, lo- and London offered him right there because he was like, oh, you're interested? Okay, we, well, we'd like to offer you a scholarship. Um, the story goes, I mean, he, he, he just did that because he just wanted to pick up an offer. And I think there are some kids out there that are offer accountants. The other group, I think, is that they are genuinely – humbled by it and when they tweet i know you see so many kids with the you know blessed and humbled uh, you know or whatever they it's and because they do it so routinely it does some somewhat feel uh rehearsed or um you know it feels like a show but a lot of the lot i think a lot of these kids are genuinely just wow you know like this school really wants me and i think for us as people who who keep track of recruiting like players are only in that bubble for a very short amount of time. You know, they start to pay attention to it, you know, maybe with social media and stuff, they see a little bit more, but they don't really care about it the way that those of us who work in the business or those of us who pay attention to it closely, they don't care. They don't, they're not emotionally connected to it until it's them. And then they, they might pick up their first one and that's huge. And then the second one is big. And then as they pick up more, some of them are just meh about it, like, okay, you know, it gets old. But then some of them, I think, it's still every time it's like a big deal. But it is interesting to me to see the reaction to these offers that you just know some of these kids, they're just not going there. Um, not unless something really bad happens, you know what I mean? Yeah. If you've got certain, you know, if you've got SEC, Big Ten, ACC offers, you're, you're not going to, to Coastal Carolina. And that's no dig on Coastal Carolina. It's just a reality of the world we live in. It's just like if Virginia offers you, and you also have offers from Florida, Florida State, Oklahoma. Pretty good chance that Virginia is probably not going to get you um, unless you're local or there's some specific connection. So, I mean, to me, 
I hear what you're saying. And, and I think some of these kids we do have to understand are counting the offers. And then some of them, I think, are genuinely just honest. They are humbled by it. Yeah, I think it's just an interesting phenomenon because you think back, I mean, we're not too long from the days where schools would deny offering a kid if he didn't come there because they didn't like the, you know, because the press, <laughs> even when with the websites, you know, unless you're an insider, you didn't know that kid had an offer. Um, but now it's like, you know, offers have become the, the, the social media advertisement you get from making an offer to a five star outweighs the the downside of offering a kid you know you're not going to get so it's it's an interesting time in recruiting with you know and it's going to get more interesting over the next few years so right i will say just something that's old fuddy duddies (laughs) well but you know what i think is interesting is is that with the new staff i think one of the things that's been interesting to watch kind of unfold has been the way that they've they really utilize social media so that goes into i mean look i'll be honest when they when they put up that video right after Jared Cohen committed, and you could and you could hear him on the Facetime call say, "Well, Coach, I, you know, because he because Bronco asked him, uh, you know, what's what's our topic of conversation today or something like that," and then you can hear the kid talk. I was like, "Oh man, that's got to be a recruit violation," and then the video stayed up for days, and I was like, "Oh, I guess it's not." You know, I just really thought that something would somebody would have a problem with that. It's been fascinating to watch them. Be, to understand the rules and to use it to their advantage. So, like, you can't say, hey, I'm going to, to, to Greensville County High School to talk to Brad Franklin. But you can say, uh, recruit out on the road, looking for the next, you know, hashtag who's rising here at Greensville County High School. Well, everybody knows who's there. But because it's, it's just general enough where it doesn't matter, just because you're in a city or at that school, right? But I find that fascinating, the way that they pick and choose the things that they want to make sure – that everybody sees. And the other component to me are the graphics. I mean, like, recruits have been getting, you know, specific edits done by schools uh, for a couple of years now. It's kind of it's been a thing. But I, I have not seen, and maybe I'm just haven't been paying close enough attention to other staffs for obvious reasons, but, like, the to, to put out the, the graphic with the team and then the players from this area and the players from that area, like, that kind of stuff, like, it, I can't even tell you the response that that will get from potential recruits. Like, I know we, we always focus on, on stuff, stupid stuff like jersey numbers or, or, or jersey combinations or whatever. But, like, this thing, I, that, it's one of those things that actually it speaks to a direct, like, an emotional response, which is pride. You know, pride in who you are and where you come from. And the idea that wherever you go, you always represent where you're from. And, like, it's fascinating to me to watch them kind of take over a program that has just not done any of this stuff like remotely i mean you know who ran mike's twitter it wasn't mike i don't even think mike's running his twitter now um but you know for a fact these guys are because you know they're posing pictures of themselves on you know and then or they go on you know tours of schools and they take pictures and and you know before they enter the school which i i you know i just think is it's just interesting to watch the way that they utilize the machine and work it to their advantage and it certainly helps um you know, when you see, you know, I don't think it's any mistake that you see Nick Saban, you know, how many times have you seen pictures of, of rec- well, maybe you guys don't follow as many recruits as I do, but you see these pictures of these recruits in Nick Saban's office, and there's this one couch that, you know, and he always takes the same picture in front, you know, it's always the same thing, but they do it for a reason, and I think Virginia's being really smart about, you know, making sure that the thing, uh, that they use it to their advantage. I, I think that's a, it's a huge piece of the energy that they bring, and it speaks to, kind of just the overall morale, I guess, around the program. 
that even though they're not pulling in five and four stars left and right, what they are doing is they're getting people excited. Um, and I think the way that they've used FaceTime to offer recruits has been a huge boost. Um, you know, it, I'm, I'm guessing that, you know, a couple of years ago, that just would have been a thing that pe- coaches would have shake, you know, just shake their heads at the idea of like, it, so, it seems so impersonal, right? And gimmicky. But now it, it like the kids see it. That's, that's the way they talk. They, they, you know, vi- the video calling to them is, is, is second nature. It's, it's, it's something they've grown, kind of grown up with. So why not, you know, you're, you're meeting them where they are. And to me, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. It does, Brad. <laughs> it does crack me up, though. You hear, like, you know, someone will be talking, you know, you know, Coach uh, Papinga stopped by my school and then asked, you know, then later my coach told me they wanted me to call. Like, that's that's what I'm talking about, antiquated rules. Like, you can't text a kid to tell him to call you. you well, go there's also, the if coach. it's an 18, if it's a junior, they're not actually, you know, they're not actually there to talk to the player. You know, the rules, you know, contact rules and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but generally what happens is like a coach will come, you know, talk to the coach of that school. The coach of the school kind of works as the, as the you know, go-between, and then the player will call them later, and that's how they, they set it all up. Um, but you're right. It, yeah, it, is, it is kind of funny how these, you know, weird hoops they have to jump through. Um, here's, a, here's a discussion we haven't gotten on on the text thread, uh, which might be interesting. The, uh, so we've gotten the 804 and the 757 graphics, right, and right. the whole state. Right. Um, we still haven't gotten the out of staters, right? Did right. I miss that one? No, I don't. I, don't, I, mean, don't, I haven't seen anything out of state, and I haven't seen anything seven hundred three yet. Which I'm yeah, guessing Northern Virginia. Five hundred four, four three four. I mean five four zero or four three. My guess so. is is that seven hundred three DMV. They're going to do some kind of combination between those. Um, yeah. Guys who are in the um, yeah. What's interesting to me is like every like, how many schools are going to try to lay claim to DMV. You know, like just I mean, look, how many teams, how many schools want to lay claim to seven five seven? Tons. How many teams really care about laying claim to eight hundred four? Two, um, maybe three if you want to count Richmond. Um, but like, if you think about it, what, who 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 wants to say they they own the DMV? At least three schools immediately come. To, well, four schools can immediately come to mind: Virginia, Virginia Tech, Maryland, Penn State. Penn State, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I would imagine that that's the next one. What do you think, Justin? Do you, you you feel like they're going to put Linda's Cafe right there on the front? And they should. <laughs> they should. It's amazing. I breakfast. mean, if they can't get any good pictures of, if they can't get any good pictures of the monuments or anything, then that's maybe true. they could go with that. Yeah, the, yeah, that's the scenery up there. Although I will say, my favorite so far has been Tim Harris with his arms out, the expanse of Richmond. I just love that. I just thought, even if even if the uh, graphics people missed the V Sabers right underneath. Uh, on his chest, <laughs> like <laughs> they, even if they miss putting that back in, um, I can't unsee it now. Yeah, well, it's funny. I saw it immediately. Like I saw it immediately. I was like, yeah, oh, that's kind of. I noticed it right away. And then, yeah. and then, like after that, like Dave was like, oh my god, I can't unsee it. And I was like, well, uh, I mean, it's, it, that's funny to me. I don't, I don't, doesn't bug me. Um, I also liked the the Who's Rise. Did you guys see the one today? Um, today, yeah, it was today with the Who's Rising and then the day of the opener. Um, on it. Yeah, and the shade, of, yeah, the visor, the, and then you can kind of see these eyes coming through it, which <laughs> it's like that was clearly not real, like clearly some kind of graphic representation, right? So, but then I started trying to uh, then my then my uh, then my conspiracy uh, theory side woke up, and I was like, are they trying to like say that they're going to be new uniforms on that day? 
Because like then I'm looking at the white and I'm looking at the orange. I'm like, those seem like something we've seen before. But, you know, they're clearly trying to, you know, it's a really tight shot, you know. Um, I'm on record, I think, as saying I think a, a redesign isn't coming until next year. But I do find it interesting that they chose to put the players in the um, in the throwbacks for these graphics. I mean, because clearly when they did these things at the end of spring, because, I mean, we saw you saw players tweeting out some pictures from the like from the shoot, so to speak. Like with the background and everything, it looked it looked like they were going to do something, and now you see what that is. It's interesting. To, it's just a interesting choice that they chose to go with the throwbacks for these these graphics and whatnot. Um, yeah, and then Matt, you know, the UV equipment guy keeps saying they're going to be used once a year. I just I wouldn't be surprised to see it become this like the the go to home uniform. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, especially if they made some tweaks to it, if they change awesome. that V to the V sabers like they have in the yeah. graphic, um, and then paired it with you know maybe. Uh, d- if they go with the classic, the more classic pants um, and the updated helmets, I think it actually is a really cool look, and it kind of matches what BYU did when Bronco was there. Um, yeah, and can we agree we can dump the orange helmet? I mean, has anything good <laughs> happened in that helmet? Long as they don't own, uh, dump those uh, the the UCLA helmets, because man, those things are fun. Oh no, no, those are those yeah. are hot. They, they still also, get me. like a thing that's like, kind of like underrated when you're designing uniforms is how they look on TV. That's true. I mean, everybody looks cool in person, but most people don't watch in person. Yeah, that's so, right. yeah. I mean, like if you have an orange helmet that looks red uh, on TV, like that's not a good look. Yeah, I still, I still want a matte white helmet personally. I would like matte everything, but that's you know my own, my own, uh, my own I, stuff. I don't know that that icy white helmet may have ruined the chance of getting any matte white. <laughs> <That> <laughs> Probably so. Ridiculous. Well, I don't think they like matte very much. Like I don't, I, I think that's just a general thing. But we'll see, we'll see what what Bronco and his folks want to do. Um, but like I said, I think that's still a year away. Uh, yeah, what, BYU's royal blue uniform is like my favorite uniform. In it really, it is. So. It's pretty sweet. It's really sweet, um, and it plays yeah, well light, in the blue. graphics and stuff too. Um. All right, let's. Uh, God, we did thirty minutes on just random stuff right there. I know we didn't even talk about me meeting Bronco. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. So we. Yeah, that's what. I, that's the other piece I wanted to get to this week. Um, because I feel like I've Ferber's like, why did I come? Yeah. No, Ferber, Ferber enjoys the parts where he can chime in occasionally. So, so Dave happened to be at the uh, social. Um, what was it? I didn't it? happen to be at it, Brad. I had to, I had to donate to be a it's member. Just, of this it's, a way, it's a way to describe things, David. Jesus. <laughs> um, no, so Dave, Dave planned in advance to be. Is that better? You, you happy with that description? Uh, so Dave was there. Monetary donations. Uh, when Bronco and Ron Sanchez um, were the guests, was there somebody else there other than those two? Guys? No, it's just them because okay. it was kind of around exam time for the students. Ah, so. got it. Okay. So talk to me about Bronco. You had a chance to not only hear his, his talk, and there was some discussion about that on the board, but then you got a chance to actually meet him, um, and he made some joke to your wife, which I thought was pretty funny about her being a tech <laughs> fan or something like that. Anyway, kind of give, give the people a feel of, of what, you, what you learned from the man. Well, first of all, I took my tech fan wife to the to the social and told her, "Don't tell anyone anyone from tech." And then, of course, I forgot we were driving her a car um, with the license plate, so it was pretty obvious. <laughs> we, uh, what was interesting to me, it, you know, Bronco came in kind of about thirty minutes after we gotten there, and we had struck up a conversation with a uh, a, a doctor and his wife um, when we first arrived, and I was asking him what he knew about Bronco, and he hadn't heard like any of the stories. So my whole point was when Bronco starts talking, I'm going to be next to him just to see 
because you, you know how we I've kind of gushed about the way he talks and um, but he didn't know any of the stories about you know where his name came from or anything like and this is a big donor so like he's going to be blown away but then Bronco got there and um, I told my wife let's go say hi and you know Bronco there was probably like three or four people online in front of me um, you know and literally Bronco probably spent 10 minutes with him and I was, and there was people forming behind me. So I told my wife, let's just say hi, get a picture. Um, somehow literally in the first two minutes of, you know, first 30 seconds of talking to him, um, it came up that, you know, she wasn't a Virginia fan. He's like, how'd that happen? And, um, he made a comment to her. He's like, I'm sorry, the rivalry is not going to be so much fun for you anymore. And that, that like, that was good for me. I enjoyed that. <laughs> um, but you know, you've, and Brad, have you had a, you've talked to Bronco one on one, right? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I mean, you meet people in your life, and and you know, I, I got to meet Al, and I met Mike. Um, and Al, as much as bad stuff is were said about Al, like when you talk to him one on one, you felt like he was in the moment. Um, Bronco takes that like to a whole new level. So there's a like, quiet when he's intensity. Talking to you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You feel intensity like to you it. better be, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, there's an intensity and, to him. And the thing that struck me the most, honestly, and you tell me if, if you had the same, is like you when he gets done talking and you're it's your turn like cuz I I was I was talking to him for a uh for a story and then obviously talked to him at you know pressers and stuff, but like when you get done saying what you what would you want to say and and then he says what he's going to say, he he does a really good job of like packing a lot of information into a very short amount of time. He's not like Jimbo Fisher in that way, but like he packs a lot. And like his his thought process is so clear, like when he when he's talking about whatever he's talking to. So like even when you go back and listen to audio of him, like you you get an appreciation for how how well how well he can deliver everything he wants to say as succinctly as he says it. And you're still processing what he said, and he's just like looking at you. There's an intensity to him that that I think um, uh, that I that I can totally understand. What was was that? What you what, was your experience? Just that that intensity that yeah. I mean it's. It, it's laser. I mean, was nothing cold about it. Like you know, and I think you could easily construe that someone like that is going to be cold. Like as genuine as a person as you'll ever meet. Like you felt he was completely in that moment with you. Whether it was, I mean, we might have talked to him for five minutes, but it felt like twenty, just because he was completely engaged in the conversation. Um, and you know, it's just you now a lot of the stories he told to the crowd after you know, were kind of rehashes of what being a a dork like I am, I've, I've either heard him say here or heard him say elsewhere, you know, going through YouTube stuff, but very impressive. I, I, I tell you, I was, I was a little surprised at how many people at that, of you know, the, the, Shen- the mid Shenandoah uh, VAF didn't really know the story. And to say they were captivated by his words would be an understatement. Um, I mean, he told the whole story of his, his dad and the horse and the getting pulled through the manure kind of thing. Um, one thing he did, you know, kind of mention what I found was interesting, which I don't think has been discussed in any of his other press conferences, was a, um, the whole concept of the freshmen weren't allowed to speak in position meetings, and that just like you know, I, I think we all kind of we didn't have inner knowledge of the previous staff, but that kind of blew my mind because you think of Mike London as a players' coach, right, and then these kids are in their staff meetings as freshmen. They can't even speak. I mean, it, you know, Bronco kind of made the point that they all seemed defeated. Um, and he thought that's why they were buying in so well. 
Um, and that was, a, that was a one piece of new information that I heard that there was some other stuff, but you know, that really kind of turned my ear. Well, and, and I've said, uh, you know, I, I think I said, uh, you know, in the last podcast where we were talking about transfers and, and that the, the way that they do exit interviews with Broncos staff is very different. Um, than what was done in the past. It's much, much more in, in line with what Tony does. And I think Bronco is extremely honest with kids about, you know, what they need to work on, where he sees them, um, you know, how, what, what, the, what the road looks like in front of them. Um, and I think part of that is driven by the same, you know, the same idea. Like, you, he has a very clear vision for how he thinks things should run. So it doesn't really surprise me to hear that the, the freshman – um, you know, aren't talking in meetings, but I also think too is that part of no, that, that was under London staff. Oh, no, oh, right, right. But what I'm saying yeah. is, it doesn't surprise me that that um, that Bronco has a way of of making kids do things that are harder or maybe more unorthodox and getting more out of them. You know what I mean? Like the ability for him to come in, like you said, the kids are defeated. Like they. They they they're so hungry for this. What's the adage? What's the what's the line from the American president? They'll drink the sand. Like that's where these kids are. It doesn't surprise me though, given what you know, my interactions with Bronco and knowing what I know about him, that he's able to get these kids, you know, laser focused on 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 improvement, um, and that they have bought in that way. And so, you're right. It it, it is kind of a a stark contrast. But at the same time, I, I do think that this is exactly what they needed. Um, and even if they are, you know, you, you have a couple kids who transfer, um, and certainly the, the, you know, the Trey Harbison news was, was, was in some ways a head scratcher. But at the same time, you know what, you look at, the, you look at what Bronco wants to do. And, I, you know, I, I've, I've had some conversation with different people about the exit interviews. And, you know, they bring the player in with not just his position coach and Bronco, but the whole staff. And they all kind of have a conversation. Now, how much the, the other assistants are involved, I'm not necessarily sure. But the fact that he does it this way in a, in a, in can almost be looked at like from the standpoint of, you know what, he's trying to weed out the people who, who aren't, are, aren't really in, in invested. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's putting you in, a, in an uncomfortable spot, and he wants to make sure that your motivations are sound. Um, and I find, that, I find that refreshing in a lot of ways. But also, too, I think when you see the way the kids have responded, the way that they – have talked about him and the, the kind of the new lease on on their careers that a lot of these guys have. Um, you know, I, I don't. I, I, I like to hire more and more. Um, you know, it seems every day, uh, especially hearing from from stuff like that. You also got a chance to to talk to to Ron Sanchez. Uh, any any insights from from anything you heard uh, from him on the basketball side? I mean, he he didn't. He's good lord. Like, I think I told you guys, I never heard him talk like as the main speaker. Like I heard snippets of interviews with him, but the fact that he had, you know, other offers is no shock. I mean, that like, good gracious. I mean, what are, the fact that he's an assistant and probably, what, what do you want to say? 50% of Virginia fans probably wouldn't be able to pick him out of a crowd. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's probably um, right. He's super impressive. He, he cracked me up. I think he was talking about um, Richie leaving and, I guess Richie was the uh, the bad guy, or the good guy, and maybe that maybe I got it backwards. Anyway, him him and Richie played good cop bad cop all year long last year, and when Richie lost, he had to switch his roles, and now right. him and Williford were you know. Good cop, I want to say Sanchez was the good cop to Richie's 
bad cop. That sounds right. And now Sanchez, yeah, and now Sanchez is having to play the bad cop role to Williford's good cop. That sounds um, right. And yeah, you know, it's just you know that, that was kind of funny. Um, yeah, he kind of talked did about. Did he talk about ahead, Austin and Mamadi? Yeah, he talked about Austin. He didn't say a whole lot about Mamadi, other than the fact that. Um, Super athletic will surprise you with his offensive ability, but you know, it, you know, it's a work in progress. Right. I, I believe is the word he word he put. Right. Um, Austin Nichols he, he, spontaneously, someone asked him about you know the play the new guys, and he brought up Austin and just you started using Anthony and and Mike Toby. You know, he said not as explosive as Mike. I mean, as <laughs> not as explosive as Anthony. You know, not as uh grounded as mike um basically he, he said um he said he was kind of in between both of them um not as aggressive as, as anthony not as passive as mike but he did say it was a lot he said he does take his wallet out of his pocket by reaching over his shoulder though so he's pretty encouraged about what he's going to do in the post so i mean he, he just you know like everyone on that staff when you hear him talk it's there's no it, just completely impressive and and fun to listen to the fact that, you know, assistant basketball coach had a crowd of, of donors, you know, hanging on every word is, is pretty impressive. Right. Um, you know, he, he preceded Bronco who, who then kind of blew the crowd away, but it was a good night. It's a good time. I, I look forward to going back again. It's the first time I've been the one up here. I've been to one in Richmond for a minute for up here. So it was a, was a good night. Was a good night. Um, I think that's a you know that that that's a, a good place to kind of wrap things up. I I, I want us to kind of stay away from uh, some other topics that I've got planned, so I don't want us to talk about anything else um, tonight. But I do want to say that uh, I appreciate any all, all the folks out there who uh, who stick with the podcast, and also those of you who have emailed me about uh, getting on the show and stuff. We're gonna we're gonna look into doing that uh, later this spring and this summer. So that the guys can have uh, <laughs> have some weeks where they don't we don't have to manufacture topics, but I do like the idea of kind of having a little bit of a different flavor for the podcast. Sometimes I think that that'll kind of keep us young. So I want to thank uh, thank you guys for being on the show, Ferber. You did a bang up job as always, um, providing great insight while you uh, ate your broccoli uh, over there. Um, <laughs> if he's still even over there. Um, hey, 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 wait, what? Uh, anyway, uh, so. You're Thank welcome. You. <laughs> for David Spence and for Justin Ferber, I am Brian Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.